I'm going to be very candid with you. We are living in a computer program reality. Welcome everyone to Simulation Nation, your portal to all things virtual. I'm your host, Johnny Android. And I'm Futurosity. <laughs> and we are here to keep you informed about all that's happening in the metaverse. We record our episodes live at Allspace every week. You can join us from your PC or VR headset, log into Allspace, join our Simulation Nation channel, and teleport in to offer your opinion, question, or whatever else. Fun Legacy, Ghost of the Shell, and iRobot are just a few films and VR experiences that Scott Gagan has worked on as a motion capture producer. Now he's created Mindful VR, an empathy-driven virtual reality experience. The goal is to create heartfelt, immersive worlds, give people opportunities to witness life through the eyes of another, the hopes of expanding their views and perspectives. Over 20 years of experience in motion capture production, Scott will walk us through how the industry and the medium of storytelling Telling has changed. Everyone, please give a warm emoji welcome for Scott. <laughs> Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'll just chat a little bit about your origins. Um, the, the fun thing about our first initial conversations about mindful and just learning about your 20 years of motion capture background, um, I'd just like to just see where you started. You know, what, what got you into the motion capture industry and are you interested in technology and VR? Yeah, I uh, I started my career at a at a company called Netter Digital uh, in North Hollywood. Uh, at the time, they were working on a couple different uh, cartoons. Uh, one was called Max Steel. You might be familiar with. Yeah, yep. uh, yeah, I, I remember that. And it was an English cartoon called Dan Dare, both of which we were working on at Netter Digital, uh, and they were really the first cartoons that were driven by motion capture. Um, so it was our first sort of dive into motion capture. We didn't really know a, a lot about motion capture at the time. Um, we were using a motion analysis system. Uh, it was fairly small, but we had a really smart team of kids and a, an incredible animation studio uh, at Netter. And from there, um, I met the owner of motion analysis, and we all sort of transitioned over to what ended up being motion analysis studios. At the time, it it was called Performance Capture Studios in Culver City. Right. And then we ended, we ended up being called Motion Analysis Studios at the time. Yeah. Pretty fun. Because at, at the beginning of the industry, it used to be called, was it, no, at first it was called Motion Capture, then it went to Performance Capture, and now Motion Capture is caught back on again. Is that how it kind of went? Yes, but strangely enough, the studio was called Performance Capture Studios way back then. Um, I think when, uh, when, Avatar started, uh, Cameron coined the term performance capture. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So shortly after I worked at what, what, let me, let me slow down a little bit at motion analysis. We worked on projects like iRobot. Um, we worked with David Fincher on the, the Nike gridiron projects. Uh, it was, uh, it was an NFL commercial. It was, it, it still holds up today. I don't know if you've seen it before. Have, have either of you seen it? It's a really doesn't. It was called. I it was called seen it before this. Yeah, it was uh, Michael Vick was the quarterback and Terrell Owens was the receiver, and they were playing in a in a snowy football game um, at, against a team of twenty two, and then they ended up scoring the touchdown. It's a really beautiful. It still holds up today. Go check it out if you haven't seen it. It was a David Fincher commercial. No, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I believe we have a slide uh, uh, coming up that uh, shows a little bit of that. So we'll 
we'll get into that uh, when we get more into your work, but that's awesome. And how, did you work with David Fincher uh, personally? And is he as much of a control freak as his reputation <laughs> would funny. help us believe? <laughs> it's funny. I, I actually have a lot of respect for what he does. And yes, I've worked with him a number of times. Um, I, I, I find him very interesting because he does work in the commercial world to, I and I, look, this is all speculation just from seeing how he works, but he tests things out in the commercial world so that he can use the, the things that he learned in the commercial world on his films. And I find that to be genius, right? He's getting paid to learn, and then he takes what he's learned and he brings it into the films that he's working on. Right. And I think that the, I think that that's a really smart way to do things. Yeah. Well, I was wondering, yeah. as far as like you know, twenty years. I mean, what kind of changes did you see? I mean, you started off, you know, with one part of technology. How many advances did you see over this time? What really caught your eye? Uh, the size of the markers and the resolution of the cameras are obviously the things that changed the most over the, over the, the course of the 20 or so years. Um, in the past 10 years, I think the biggest advancements have been in uh, facial capture. And you, for a while, we were, we were throwing hundreds of cameras to do uh, full performance capture when we were at House of Moves, right? I ended up being the EP at House of Moves for a good 10 years. And at that time, we were really trying to focus on full performance capture of marker-based capture, right? So no head-mounted cameras. We were literally throwing as many cameras into one volume as possible and capturing all that through the system, right? Instead of, and nowadays, the, the biggest change in, in that arena is that we're putting head-mounted cameras on each one of the actors. Right. And doing all the facial with video based capture. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. So like nowadays you, you see that they so they actually they capture it and then you can immediately see it on a virtual screen that shows like, for example, an avatar, like they're in the avatar environment or something. Right. Is that but everything on everything on stage for the full body for the body capture yeah. is typically seen in real time. Right. So you can see what what it looks like on stage and the actors can see the worlds that they are in. Um, but the facial capture is not something that is typically done in real time. It can be done. Uh, it can be done for real time animation and stuff like that, which is something that we've done before. Uh, but typically for a capture session, uh, we're not really focusing on the, the facial capture real time wise. So are you, are you saying that before it was just that you had those markers on your face, but now you have the markers, plus you have a camera that's capturing all the nuance in the face? No, no. So, so the markers are no longer on the face. It used to be we were, we were taking like, um, like half spheres and, and placing them on the face uh, so that the cameras can actually capture them, right? Nowadays, you're using dots at, with video-based capture. They're head-mounted cameras from companies like... Um, uh, image metrics, they do stuff. Uh, they do head-mounted camera work. Um, there's a number of different, like, there's a company called uh, XYZ. Uh, uh, what is the name of that company? I can't remember the name of the company. There's a, no, a number of facial companies that can come in and, and do service work on the facial captures. So they bring those companies in to capture the face. So I think that Whoa. to answer your question, that that is the biggest change uh, with regard to motion capture over those years, is that facial capture is now done separately from the body. Did you have a, and so how did you get from, uh, so you started 20 years ago at motion capture, you worked with David Fincher. Uh, what's the next uh, uh, part of the? 
the biography here. Next part of the journey. So I, oh. I'm, I left motion analysis, I, I think it was 2004 or 2005, uh, and I, I went to the quote-unquote the dark side, right? Because uh, we were competitors with House of Moves. And I, I had been talking – I was friends with – everybody's kind of friends in the business, right? And at a certain point, I – uh, I got kind of tired of working for the guy that I was working for, who was a really good guy. Tom Arm, uh, Tom Whitaker is his name. Like he's the guy who owned Motion Analysis, and we kind of felt like he he thought we were all expendable, right? And at a certain point, I just said, you know what? I think it's time for me to move. It was a better opportunity for me, and so I moved to House of Moves, and you know, we I continued my career at a different company, uh, but it felt more like home to me, if that makes any sense. <laughs> Right. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Now, yeah. when did VR get into the picture? Because you, you might talk about, you know, real time um, animation and you know, caption performances. Um, when did you first get involved? Um, were you an early adopter, um, either you know, for play and for fun? Or did you were you an early adopter on the professional side first? Uh, I, I left House of Moves in 2011 uh, to kind of do my own thing. And at that time, we I was doing a lot of different uh, consulting jobs, just kind of helping people to kind of uh, produce their 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 projects. And at a certain point, you know, I, I just said to myself, you know what, I've got to do something on my own before I get too old, right? And VR was really starting to get hot, and you were starting to see companies venturing into that that realm. Um, one of which was called McKinnis Scott. Um, I worked with Remington and John McInnes, uh were good friends of mine, and I helped them produce a, a number of jobs, uh, VR projects that they were working on. One was called Grace, and another one was called Echia, uh, which was uh, a military-based VR experience where you get to uh, witness through the eyes of the of – the, um, military uh capturing osama bin laden mm. so you actually get to witness oh. what that was like when they when they uh when the navy seals went in and captured osama bin laden it's, it was done really well I, I might say and it actually holds up today pretty well oh wow that was my that was really that and a and a, and a project called hugh by a girl named nicole mcdonald um her project had a, had a really amazing vision uh, I don't know if you guys know of the Project Hue, um, but yeah, that, one, that one that one really touched me to a point where I, I just was really impressed with her vision and her willingness to step out of the norm and really kind of take something on that has never been done before. Um, that, that really got me interested in doing my own project, to be honest with you. Cool. And so then you you got involved in VR. And before we move on to the, your, your latest project, so... Um, it it sounds to me like uh, motion capture and virtual reality are really cousins to each other. Do you does anyone really capture, are. are people are people using motion capture to uh, create these virtual experiences, or is it a completely different technology? Absolutely. I mean, it, it, they go hand in hand. They really do. Yeah. I mean, uh, my project, strangely enough, only used motion capture a, a very small bit. Um, and we can get into that later, but um, motion capture is used for video games, feature films, commercials, right. television. I mean, anything that you can think of that is more realistic, uh, yeah. that needs hu human movement, uh, is going to use motion capture. Perfect example is iRobot. 
you know, all the robots, uh, we captured human beings to play the roles of those robots. So um, that's that's really crazy. So that I know that you're so you were so in that period when you were working on films. So you 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 could sort of drop a number of really big projects, right? You worked on like what, what were some of them? iRobot, Tron Legacy. I mean, those are some really huge projects that you're working. Call on of Duty, uh, Call of Duty in the game world, Uncharted. Um, pretty much every video game that you can think of uh, up until about 2011. Um, we were involved in, I mean, honest to God, it just wow. so many projects. And it was, you, you get to, you get to see how each company or, or each director works on things. And you pull from those experiences, some, some knowledge that you would not have otherwise. Um, and you also get to see the, the, the companies that really were unprepared or ill-prepared. Mm. And those are mm. the things that I, you know, I, 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 there are many, many times where companies would do things poorly, and I just couldn't believe it. It was like you're you're spending so much money and you're so ill prepared. How is this happening? You know, mm. and so that's that's one of the things that kind of drove me to do my own thing as well. It's like you know, I really I know what I know what my vision is, and so to bring it to fruition uh, wasn't that difficult for me. You know, All right. Hmm. So well, you involved just in Oh, sorry. So I was just going to say before we move on, like, did, were you involved in getting Jeff Bridges to look younger in Tron Legacy? Is that a motion capture thing that they were doing? Yeah, I believe the director was Joseph Kaczynski. Um, right. he, he's actually, I, I think that he works with David Fincher, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we weren't, we weren't 100 uh, percent in control of that that final look. I think the company was Digital Domain that was doing all of the the back end animation. Um, but we did some capture for it, right? Um, but we did a lot of the the cycle animations, like the, the light cycles, and they did the the, the stereoscopic uh, film stuff on our set as well. So it was a really huge set that we had on our stage. Uh, we had the full performance stage for all the cycle stuff, and then they were doing the uh, the three D filming of it on on the big stage. But Bridges oh, wow. was there. Bridges was there, and he was a lot of fun. Right. Really cool guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah I bet. Oh. Dude abides. No doubt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, before I move on to the next topic, I just wanted to see, um, as far as your background in motion capture, um, what techniques or um, principles do you think you kind of captured and walked away with and you felt were most important for your future work? Huh. Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, what techniques? I would honestly just pre-production is the most important part for me. Like really knowing what it is you want to create is probably the most important part. And, and also a, a really powerful storyline. Without a story, without a solid storyline, nothing's going to work, right? I think that for, for anything in, in the entertainment world, you want to make sure that your story is strong and if that is if if that foundation is there, then everything else falls into place. Is that? I think that's the solid way of answering that question. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank no, you. Absolutely, yeah. it's like it's like you you learned at the end of the day that all of the technical wizardry and all of the really cool stuff it falls flat if it's not followed by a great story. And you need to, it, this is what James Cameron has figured out so well, right? I mean, it, it's like he's he's you know it's the it's the story and the emotional connection to the characters underneath yeah. all the technology that matters. And if you can get that, 
then people will be blown away by the technology and they'll go back yes. again and again to the movie. But if you have just empty special effects with no emotional connection, it gets boring actually, right? You can only be, yeah. you can only watch something beautiful for so long uh, until you kind of check out. So I, I, yeah. I think that it probably takes 20 years for people to figure that very simple, but very right, true right, lesson right. out. And it's, it's, <laughs> I also, I don't know if you think this is true or not, but do you think that um, being able to tell a good story is more difficult perhaps than getting a good, like a uh, technological aspect to things? I mean, it's obviously difficult to create a perfect motion capture, but uh, like, how, which do you think I, is more difficult having been on both sides? I think a really good example of this, in my opinion, is Polar Express, right? Mm-hmm. The uncanny valley. I worked with I worked with Image Movers back in the day, and they, uh, Did you? Mars Meets Mom. So, and they were using oh. in his own performance capture stuff with Beowulf and all of that. So that's a, I was going to bring yeah. that up. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny. I, I really liked Mars Meets Moms. Um, it, mm. it, it really it was one of the weirdest films I've ever seen, right? <laughs> but somehow I I enjoyed it, and maybe it's because a lot of my friends worked on that. But mm. Polar Express, the uncanny valley part of Polar Express, you would think would, would make people not really continue to watch it, but it's become a cult classic in a very odd way because the storyline's great, but yeah. it really is creepy looking, right? I mean, like characters oh. look creepy. I think, I think everybody could agree to that. But to keep with Robert Zemeckis, Beowulf, I think, looked better technically, but no one watches wow. it. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. It's always interesting when it comes to like showing the eye, you know, as far as, you know, showing life, like the eyes and the weight of a character, like the two things that always throw me off. If someone feels like they're moving too light footed or if their eyes just lack that glimmer, um, that always throws me off. My uncanny valley just, you know, just hits the highest peak. Yeah. This is me. Yeah. And yeah. I was just listening to this interview with Mark Zuckerberg about what he's doing with the metaverse and all of that kind of stuff. And he was saying that the next technology where they're having this high-end headset coming out later this year is all focused on stronger eye capture so more detail in the eyes uh, more uh -huh. emotion in the eyes that's really the key they've found to uh, human connection because it's sort of saying that when you look at zoom you see their real face but you never have eye connection because you're looking at the camera or you're not looking at the camera you're looking at them and they're looking at you he says yeah. that when you're in a, a virtual space like we are right now they're actually making eye contact. It's sure you're a low resolution yeah. poly cartoon character, but at the same time, it feels like we're here together and I'm sensing the yeah. Scott coming through the eyes. Right. So it's right, really right, right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I've been working with a company where I worked with a company called Amaze VR um, that yeah. just came out there. It's, it's brand new. Uh, it's, it's called the Hottieverse and it's Megan the stallion and it's going to be in oh. theaters. Um, and they, they have a, a technology there where they, you know, they're capturing her, um, in 3d, uh, with kind of like, uh, I'm not, even, I'm not a hundred percent clear on what kind of camera they're using, but the eye line that they have got where when you're sitting in the seat and Megan is looking at you, she is looking directly at you. Right. And it, and it's, it's amazing how realistic it is. I mean, it, I mean, obviously it's they're capturing her in, in real life. It's, it's live action. Right. Um, but the eye line that you're getting or that, you know, when she looks at you in your chair, it's mind blowing. You really do feel like you're there with her. So you can see that in theaters. 
Mona Lisa yeah, can... virtual reality. Wherever you look, the eye yes. follow. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, but this is this is creepy. It's <laughs> it's it's you really feel like you're there with her. It's pretty amazing. They've done a they've done a really good job. I'm excited to see uh, how well they do with that uh, because they're a really gr great group of people. Right. So let's let's get into. You have such a uh, an incredible career here. Let's go. We you know even here, if anyone wants is seeing this on YouTube, we we've got uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Tron Legacy, Spider Man Two, I believe that is Uncharted, Call of Duty, um, I Robot, Fantastic Four. I mean, you go, the list goes on and on. It's really uh, really impressive. And um, fight science, fight fight science was a big one as well. That was a lot of fun to work on. That's the one with the the skeletons. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, ah. they, they do. They do sort of a, a look inside of the body and what's happening when someone gets hit in the chest, and it was that was a really fun project for us. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. Before we do on, what was your favorite of these projects that you worked on, and why? Um. Whew, uh, I robot. It's funny because we're talking about Will Smith at the, at this point in time, right? right. Um, right. That, that. Oh yeah. Was a, that was a lot of fun for us because we were in. They flew us into Vancouver. Uh, I think we were a team of six or seven, and they 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 set us up in these really posh like hotels that it, it, we just felt special, right? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> um, and just so much incredible capture where they had like these uh, elaborate sets that really you really felt like you were on the set of iRobot, right? Um, and so that I think was probably the most intense and uh, unique. It was a unique experience for all of us, everybody that was mm -hmm. there. And there was a celebration afterwards, and it was just it just felt special, you know. Oh wow, great! Long it was a long time ago too. When was I right. robot was, was going to be the first one? Two thousand something, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it still holds up. I mean, the, the visual effects, the motion, I mean, really feel like Sonny is a real character. It really holds up. You know, up. what's I interesting is that, uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, iRobot was also digital domain um, in terms of the back-end polish. Mm. Ah. Yeah. This guy's got his hands in everything. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> telling you. <laughs> it, it, you know, the, and now they're saying with Avatar 2 that you don't, it's going to have a 3D effect that you're not going to be wearing 3D glasses? Is that possible that that how has he captured that? I don't know, but maybe you have an insight. I don't, I don't have the insight, but I do know this: that movie has taken so long to make, and it's shocking, isn't it? Like they yeah. still haven't put out, you know, anything after the regular, the first Avatar. I mean, they've been working on it now for twelve years. Yeah, yeah, I th and I think it's going to be at least four of them coming. Or the, three. yeah, so he's got he's already shot the other two or three, right? I think so. I think there's three. Yeah. There's three coming. There's three coming. If I'm not wow. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. So let's let's you know from one from one <laughs> control freak to another. Okay. So we did you did mention David Fincher. I really wanted to hear <laughs> a, a story about David Fincher freaking out outside and making you do 300 takes or something like that. Um, I will say <laughs> that I, I, there's one thing I remember about this particular project. Um, he sent in his uh, his production team to come into the studio and kind of clean it up to the point where he would be happy. And so they, that team <laughs> put up, that team put a lot of pressure on us to where we were like, Oh shit, it, it Fincher's coming. And we were all kind of shaking <laughs> right. a little bit, you know? And then, and then when, and then when he showed up, he was the nicest guy in the world. We were like, that doesn't fit. This doesn't, this doesn't make any sense. 
but he definitely put the pressure on us to make the studio look nice and have it have it kind of in a cleaned up to to his liking right mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a very cool spot it's a nike commercial spot you've got very realistic um performers and and, and I, I you know what it does is it sort of augments the visuals because you have a, a sort of ordinary looking shot almost look like long lens shots where you've got you know uh, a bunch of people in the foreground and then him in the background this uh, yeah. i guess that's mike vick but then you get these super close-ups of the nike swoosh on the on the foot when it's hitting the, the yeah 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 it's, it's, it's a really cool way to augment what would normal a normal sort of uh set that would be done in live action it was so far above above and beyond anything that had been made at that time it was um we all felt a sense of pride with that particular project it looks so beautiful and it felt like it was intense you know it was really intense it was funny stuff i mean like just the production alone i remember terrell owens the receiver um i came into my office and he had stolen my radio out of my my office and put it in because we had to we had to create a game room for all of the athletes and that game room was right outside oh. of my that game room was right outside of my office and Terrell Owens went in and took my radio and brought it into the game room. And I was like, Where, where's my radio? And I was like, oh, okay. And these are massive human beings. Was, you don't really, yeah. I was just like that. You just go ahead and keep that. Go ahead and keep that. Yeah. Like I got to get another radio. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really, I mean, cool. for your viewers, definitely go and check. I think it's called Nike Gridiron. Um, go check that commercial out because it still holds up today. Yeah, I'll put the link in the show notes for anyone out there in podcast land, and uh, it'll be on the YouTube in the show notes for sure. Cool. Awesome. Um, any thoughts, Mr. Rush, or should we move, move right along to the next slide? Oh, we'll move right along. I mean, I can't wait to really watch this one because this is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Okay. I think there's also some samples. There's some samples of uh, the fight science stuff as well uh, on my website, if I'm not mistaken. Cool. Put a link to the website as well then. Um, yeah. All right. Childish Gambino. Dancing off against himself in virtual reality. This is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I think yes. it's, it's it's augmented reality. Um, and I've, it's hard because you know I, I I'm almost 100 percent positive that we work with a company called Nexus Studios or Nexus Digital. Um, and Childish Gambino or what's his name? Uh, not Danny Glover, but uh, Donald, 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 Donald Glover. Glover. What a nice. Mm -hmm talented human being that is i mean what an amazing human being that is he, really a great guy and he had his dancers as well so our job was just to capture all the dance motions um so that when you have the google pixel phone that's the thing if you don't have a google pixel you can't see this right so it's not explain something to me how, how is it augmented reality i'm not i don't i i'm not following that like because he's 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 real in one side and then he's an avatar on the other side well, this How is just the commercial. This is just the commercial here. So, if you saw, uh, if you had the phone, you would be able to hold it up, and you would see Childish Gambino dancing in in the street. Yeah. So, if kind I was aiming my cam, if I was aiming my camera at Futurist, uh, he would have a Childish Gambino animated character next to him, and he oh. could dance. He could dance with him. And so, the the video that you're recording, you can share with people that you're dancing with Childish Gambino. Got it. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, I, I'd like to ask a little bit more about just some of your augmented reality experience, because we're in this weird place where, you know, people talk about, you know, cross reality, mixed reality, virtual reality versus 
augmented. And it seems like um, some companies want to combine all the different kinds of tools yeah. together. Um, how do you feel about that? Um, do, you, do you have a preference for you know, the VR experience versus trying to add augmented reality into everyday life? What are your thoughts? Well, I think that if, since we're talking about it from a motion capture perspective, um, you may as well utilize the, the captures that you're, that you're doing for both VR and AR, right? Um, if there's a, a creative way to make both work, then why not, right? Uh, to, this is a weird colloquialism, but to kill two birds with one stone, right? That's such a strange thing. Um, it's a very birdish <laughs> statement you just made there. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, but I I tend to like VR because you're you're taking someone on a journey, right? You're you're literally putting someone into a completely a simulation. <laughs> um, you're putting <laughs> them into a world that they have never been in, and you're. I mean, it's it's my my project. It's a linear storyline, but they feel as if they're they're uh, controlling it in real time, right? Because there are certain things that you have to do to keep the story going forward. Does that answer your question? Makes sense. No, I, I see what you mean. I notice like AR a lot of times, a lot of times use almost like an art toy in many cases. So it's usually a shorter experience with augmented reality. You know, it, but I haven't really seen a use of it um, fully um, story-wise. I've noticed that VR has been the primary choice for you know, fuller experiences. Um, yeah. yeah. Do you see that um, there's even the option available to make AR into fuller, richer experiences, or do you, you think yes, VR ultimately you will, supersedes? I think you will start to see that once those uh, once the technology gets better. Um, we're starting to see the beginnings of these AR glasses, right? And once those get to a point where they are uh, higher resolution and um, lighter weight, you're going to start having really amazing ex AR experiences, I believe. Um, yeah. We'll see. I could, we'll see. I could imagine, a, I could imagine a, a future not too far away where you have like, almost like Fortnite where they'll send out chapters and like, you'll be in the world and you'll be on a scavenger hunt to find these different eggs or whatever it is. And then the storyline will come together. You'll meet a character in a dark alley and they'll tell you about the next clue. And, it, and then they'll have another chapter that will be released six months later. And then you'll, you know, go on another journey. So it'll have a narrative string to it. And, but you'll have the Pokemon Go aspect where you're hunting exactly. things or you're yep. getting eggs. And then that's the game part of it. I can imagine that not too far away. It's got to be coming sooner or later. It's I cool. mean, look, Pokemon the, 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 success of, the success of Pokemon Go is still happening to this day. You know, there are still parents and, and children that are out searching for Pokemon, which is pretty incredible. <laughs> It's it's a, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I find, yeah, I find that, that fascinating. The other thing I find fascinating, though, is that um, what makes something work and what makes something not work? Because they 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 took Pokemon Go was like the simple rudimentary game that everyone was playing, and then all of these big budget games came in. Like they did the Hogwarts version, they did the like Transformers, right. thing, and they all yeah. just sunk like a stone. So what is it about the Pokemon game that worked, and then the other ones that had better tech that didn't work? I don't know. Uh, is, the imagination. is it also just because it is it is also a, a card collectible um mm. phenomenon i mean it's kind of like baseball cards right that's where yeah, it, it started, keeps them right? engaged longer you know i think yeah the the game and the video game as well i think that's what like when you make something based on a pre-existing property a lot of times the stickiness of it um has to include other things so, yeah i think with pokemon 
there's a new you know game release for the cards like every three months or something right. so people are constantly fed new stuff um the other properties where it's like oh well the harry potter book's already completed you do a little ar game and well you know it's harder to have newer experiences added yeah i kind of see i haven't i haven't tried those so it, I, it's hard for me to say you know yeah have you yeah it, Oh yeah, I, I, I'm a tinkerer. I play, I, I play a lot of games, but only maybe like thirty minutes each. <laughs> uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I have a very Hooker large Hooker. library. The one that I have now is actually, believe it or not, it's a. Um, I have a fold card, so it is. Um, it's actually a Bitcoin uh, backed uh, credit card, and so when I spend my credit card, I get Satoshi's as my reward. Uh, Satoshi's are the smallest denomination of Bitcoin. And uh-huh. like once every two days, they'll have a augmented reality experience where real, where Bitcoins will show up in your environment and you have to hit them and catch them. And then you actually <laughs> get real Satoshis in your wallet. Uh, so that's uh-huh. the geeky thing I'm doing is like making, it's sort of play to earn. It's an early version of play to earn, which is now, of is, course. Is Satoshi, is that Saitama? Satoshi Nakamoto was the one who created um, uh, the uh, Bitcoin. Was the one who invented Bitcoin. It's a pseudonymous name. It's got not it, got a it, real name. It might not be he. It might be she. There is a token called Saitama. Oh, right. Oh, oh yes, yes. There, yeah, there, yeah, that's another one of those offshoots. Gotcha. Got it. Okay. Got it. My, my little brother, uh, his name is Jake Gagan. He's a, um, Jake is a uh, um, uh, influencer in the, uh, in the, that arena, in the, cryptocurrency arena so, ah. I, I get a lot of that knowledge through my little brother yeah okay i'll have to have to look him up on twitter so Jake, get some yeah, of that yeah, help sure. yeah check him out <laughs> <Keep going, Kissix. laughs> all right uh let's move right along here so um i so ghost of the shell i'm assuming i don't know that this is the uh vr experience that you worked yes on? that's correct hey, yeah i've actually played that i know that one yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. It's I I wasn't all that impressed with it just because there wasn't enough interactivity. I, I don't you know, like it was more of a a visual experience, right? Where you're just kind of visualizing yes. what's happening. Room. It was beautifully done. I think it, the company was called Rewind. Uh, the VR company that worked on it was called Rewind, and I think if I'm not mistaken, they're actually part of Magnopus now. I think they actually teamed up with Magnopus. I don't. Don't uh, mark my words on that one, but I'm almost, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and the 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 other company that was involved with uh, is the agency was called Here Be Dragons. Uh, well, that's Chris Milk's company. That's correct. That's uh, correct. Yeah. So yeah. he of course just he of course just sold Supernatural VR for uh, seven hundred million dollars, just a little <laughs> bit, just some pocket change. What a, what a lucky guy! Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and and he's all. Good I always him. say he's the one. His his experience, um, evolution averse, was the very first virtual reality thing I ever tried, and that's what got me hooked. I came out of so Chris Milk is always going to be in the on the uh, on the Mount Rushmore for me of VR because he's the one that really just impressed me and got me. Is, all is, hooked on is that is that the one where the train comes in across right. the water, and then all right. of a sudden, yes. you're, you're, all of a sudden you're in a womb and there's like a baby at the end. That's right. That it's was a Star Child. You're being reborn in like 2001: yes. A Space Odyssey, but into the <laughs> right, virtual right, simulation. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and that was actually pretty. It was pretty far out there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, beautiful work. It really was. Yeah. 
Well, just one little thing, um, since you did mention um, about the kind of the ratio between interaction um, versus storytelling when it comes to VR projects. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what, are, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? You know, um, when how much interaction is required to just kind of create a, a more depthful experience for you? Uh, that that also is an interesting question. I It's hard for me to, to say how much is right or wrong. Uh, I just think that the user ultimately wants to feel like they're part of the story, right? And so you have to give them little things where, you know, like when we touch the buttons to turn on the, the volume and stuff like that, it feels like you're here with, with, with you guys, right? Like um, simple little interactions are enough as long as it's, as long as those interactions are impacting the storyline. I think that that gives the user a little bit more, um, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for here. Agency. Yeah, yeah. It just gives them. It feels like you're more part of the experience, you know. Without an, without any without any interaction at all, it just feels like you're there, sort of just to to witness it, and you're not really a part of it. Perfect example is the Ghost in the Shell experience, which was beautiful, but there wasn't much interaction. Ah. Uh, like. It created a great tone and it created if you felt like you were in this uh, sort of the environment of it, but then it nothing sort of went and it didn't go anywhere. It was just sort of like a template. Yeah, because they, they brought in an incredible stunt team for that. And we're doing all kinds of like martial arts stuff where they're flipping people around and it just it looks beautiful. But you want to be part of it. You want to like if if you swing and you hit one of the guys and then they fly over, and then they fall. That would be kind of the kind of interaction that I would want in that experience. All right. So the moment we've all been waiting for, uh-huh. like get my, uh-huh. for, for God's sakes, get a, get me out of this, <laughs> this, uh, this stuff that I was hired to do. Give me my true it's passionate been, I've, project. I've, I've enjoyed this conversation. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So now we're at the, 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 the centerpiece here, which is your baby, uh, which is called I'm, mindful VR. Maybe you could talk us through that a little bit, how you came up with the idea and the development process. Okay, so it it was supposed to be a proof of concept, right? Uh, and the whole goal of this project was to put you in the shoes of someone else so that you can witness life through the eyes of another, right? Um, at the time, I had sold the concept. The concept is really quite simple. It's uh, you have a mirror in front of you, in that mirror is the reflection of the character that you become, right? To the left and right of you are windows that look outside in, you know, gives you a glimpse into the life of that character outside that window, right? There are interactive elements inside the room, like a flower on the table or a butterfly. When it pulsates a certain color, um, if you touch it, it opens up a portal in the mirror and that portal allows you to um, – it, it sucks you into the memories of that character. So um, each, each time you go through the portal, you get sucked through a wormhole and into the memory of that character. So you learn a little bit more about the character. And that's really the basis behind the concept itself. And so originally I – or initially, I had sold the concept to a visual effects company – uh, here in Los Angeles, and we had really big plans for it. 
and we're having tons of meetings and it just, it got to a point where they got so busy that they couldn't, they couldn't really give it the time that it deserved. And so they ended up giving it back to me after, you know, we, we wasted like 10 months basically. Um, at that point they gave it back to me and said they, they want, they wanted me to have an opportunity to, to get it across the finish line. And so I, I just took it on myself and that's where we are. I love to just hear about just, team building aspect um because since you have 20 years of experience in motion capture i have no doubt you have many friends in the industry um, how do you assemble the team to create this project i'm glad you asked that because without the team that i assembled it wouldn't have gotten done right so the first the first and most important thing that we did uh was we 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 got a character uh the character's name is anna right so i bought I bought a scan uh, of an of an actual human being, a company called Triple Gangers out of the UK, and they create scans that you can purchase. And then once you purchase it, you rig it and do all of the look dev on it to make sure that it's it's you know all of all of the textures and stuff are are accurate. And then you have this character that looks you know that looks and moves the way a human would move, right? Um, once we had that, we had the foundation, right? This, this was our character for this experience. And at that point, I reached out to my good friend, Derek Crosby, who is now over at Sony. He, he runs the, I think he's like the technical supervisor at the Sony stages, uh, over in Playa, Playa Vista. Um, he's an incredibly talented artist. Uh, I worked with him way back in my days at motion analysis. And I think, that, what was the, the, there was an EA uh, military game. Uh, it wasn't Call of Duty. It was the other one. It was, uh, you guys remember the military game from EA? Mm, like one of the Ghost Recon games? Um, no. I can't remember the name. But, but he, I remember he built a world, at, uh, a level that we could actually play in, uh, in, like the, in 1999 or 2000, right? So I knew that he was talented in terms of building uh, levels and stuff like that. So I reached out to him. I said, hey, any chance you would want to help me on this project that I'm working on? And he was he was like, absolutely, yes. When I kind of sold him what it is that we were trying to accomplish. And he and I just sat down and started really kind of pulling together the levels. Right. So just getting the worlds designed. And then once we had the worlds designed, then we moved on to the next phase, which was how do we get the visual effects done? So I had to find a team that could do the visual effects. Um, and then I reached out to my, my friends over at uh, Beyond Effects who helped me design the, um, uh, the portals and the, and the wormholes. And then once we had that together, all I needed at that point was a programmer, right? And so the programmer that I, I met, his name is Isaku Amura. Uh, he works over at Naughty Dog. One of the best people that I've that I've met in the past twenty years, just a incredibly talented kid, uh, easy to work with. Um, you know, just he understands right out of the gates. When I we, we sat sat down and had lunch, and I told him what I was trying to accomplish, and he he understood right away. And he was like, "I can I can help you with this." And then we were off. So it's me, Derek, and Isaku all working through Perforce. 
uh, on this project. And it just started to come together in a way that we were like, wow, this is really going to be powerful. Um, because it was all based on, and I haven't gotten to this yet. I think I've kind of jumped a little too far, but um, at the time we needed a narrative, right? And it was, it was around the time that the previous administration was taking kids away from their mothers at the borders, right? And we were witnessing this in real time. We're like, what, what is going on? How is that something that is okay in this world, right? You're taking kids away from their mothers? It doesn't, I mean, that was shocking to me. So I started to research a little bit and I, I came across the UNHCR, which is an acronym for the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees. I think that's what it, it's basically the UN Refugee Agency. And there was a there was a, a quote on there that said, oh hey, there was a quote that said, over 80 million people have been displaced from their homes worldwide by conflict and persecution. And I, wow. I, couldn't, I, I couldn't believe that number. It didn't make any sense to me because there's literally less than 40 million people in all of California. So that's double every single person in the state of California that have no homes. You know, like it, it, it was hard for me to calculate, like, you know what I mean? Like that's just a, it's a shocking, shocking number. And so that's what really started our, our push to make sure that people had an opportunity to see what is truly happening in the world, you know? And so we kind of pulled um, three different real life stories together into one story. And that's what mindful is about. Like we put you in the, sh in the shoes of this girl who becomes a refugee. Um, we, we show you the, the good parts of her life where everything was happy. And then the parts where she's in wartime. And then shortly after you're in a boat in the middle of the ocean, fleeing your city and planes are flying over and bombing uh, the city. It's, it's a, it's a powerful story. Um, and once we realized that it was drawing emotion from people to the point where they were coming out of the headset crying, we knew that we had something powerful that we had to get out there, you know? Um, and so we started to put it into uh, film festivals and see if anybody would bite on it. And it did, it got into a bunch of film festivals and almost won the VR award, uh, the AIXR VR award which is pretty cool. I don't know. Did you guys go to that? Oh, yes. That was, that's how I first discovered you when I, I joined the event. And it's just amazing works um, from so many different parties. And yeah, I, right. I just got a little glimpse of Mindful and I said, I need to reach out to this fellow because it's fascinating. I appreciate that. And just, just to be clear, this is the first time I've ever made a VR experience. Um, it, it wasn't meant oh, wow. to... Uh, it wasn't meant to to get any attention. It was really just to, to show that we could, we could put any story in this concept and, and make it work. You know? it's, it's really poignant and, un, and unfortunately so apropos for today's world, right? So you did yeah. this before the Ukraine and now we, you know, it's almost like part of us maybe being sheltered in California or Los Angeles or even America are thinking, Oh, well, war is behind us and the world is up is going, is accelerating into, you know, utopia and all this stuff. And all of a sudden we realize, wait a minute, right. this sort of 20th century conflict again with missiles and rocket launchers. Yeah. And other, you see these 
kids who are traveling across the Ukraine border to Poland to escape, and they're all alone, and they're traveling for days. You know, it's it's really wild. So this is it's, timely, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately, it's uh, it's scary how how relevant it is in today's world, right? I mean, when when we were creating it, all the stuff was happening in Syria um, and Yemen and and uh, Venezuela. I mean, there's there was it was happening all over the world, but now you're really starting to see it happening. We're we're, we're going to be closing in on a hundred million people displaced from their homes. Like the numbers are growing at a crazy rate. You know, you have S Afghanistan, you've got Syria, you've got uh, Ukraine. I mean, it's it's happening all over the world, and it's it it's it's crazy. It, it's really sad. It's uh, and. and Wait till we have the ecological displacement, which people are thinking with with global warming and famine and drought, and it's just like there's going to be all of these sort of uh, climate refugees. I mean, it, it, it's it's horrible. But the, the good thing is that hopefully experiences like this will have people create more empathy, and they'll be able to reach out and want to make a difference and want to help. That's that's the idea. We're trying to uh, have an impact on social consciousness. You know. If we can get people to, you know, because a lot of the times, like if you if you're sitting in your house and you're watching TV and that and a commercial comes on about refugees or or dogs that are being, you know, what I mean, like typically you'll turn the you'll turn the station, right? Like I don't, it's hard for me to watch those commercials, but when you're in an experience like this and you've witnessed it the way that we're telling the story, and then at the end we bring you into that, you know, real world, like we at the end of the experience we show a video of what's really happening in the world after you've just gone through what you went through in the experience. And that really, br that really brings it home. You know, like it, it's, it's really too bad. I mean, it's, it's sad, but I think it's important for people to see this, this experience. Oh, I appreciate you sharing the demo and giving us an opportunity just to, you know, feel this experience um, you know, upfront and personal. Uh, now I, I love it. I saw that you did some installation work um, with Mindful VR, um, which really yeah. fascinated me because you, you know, you have a virtual experience, but you also had you know, a three-dimensional installation in which people kind of um, connect with the environment of the VR world. Can you explain a little bit about that technique and just you know, yeah, how you yeah, think yeah. it was a little more emotionally impactful? That was, I mean, I, there was two film festivals that were taking place in Los Angeles. One was the Awareness Festival. Uh, and one was the Infinity Festival, which is really a, a beautiful festival. If you've not been yet, it's going to be happening again this year. Um, uh, Mark Lieber is the the person who runs the Infinity Festival. And I was introduced to him through uh, my friend John McInnes. And he allowed me to have a, a booth at uh, the Infinity Festival where I could showcase Mindful with the audience, right? So knowing that that was happening, I really started to think about, okay, well, what do I want this installation to look like? You know, the set piece has to, has to really kind of draw people in, right? And so I, I, started, to, I started to build a set in my backyard um, that matches the virtual set. So you have a mirror in front of you, right? Uh, it's like a, kind of like a vanity mirror. So you, what you're looking in is a vanity mirror of a young girl, right? And then to the left of you is, I basically built out the walls of the room, right? And to the left of you is the, the, the window 
so that when when you actually stick your head out the window, you're literally sticking your head out of a physical window also. Mm. So the the ledge of the window or the window sill mm. is there so you can touch it. Um, and it all just kind of matches and it really works great. I mean, it looks it looked really nice uh, and and people really people really like the experience there. That was that was one of the best things I, I've been involved in. It was really nice cool. for people to experience it in front of me. I hadn't seen that many people try it, you know. So we had yeah. two different we had two different um, setups, so you, two people can be doing the experience at the same time. That's great. I love you know. I, you may remember Void VR, which was in uh, Santa Monica. Uh, before the pandemic, where you could go, and you could do the Avengers experience. And you <laughs> yeah, could use it. And so, and, and they have like you'll, you know, in the experience, there'll be a wind coming out, and you'll feel wind, and you'll be, yeah. you'll have to, you'll, you'll pick up an orb, and there will be a real orb in the real space, and then you have to go yeah. around this wall, and there's, you know, so all of that stuff was kind of what you're a, talking about. I have a hilarious uh, story about the void. Uh, my family all went to, I think we were in Toronto and there was a void uh, set up there with the Star Wars experience. And mm. so my, my brother and his two daughters and his wife and my mom were all there. And we had to be split up into groups of three. And it was my mother, me and my niece, Kylie. And um, my mother is five foot four. And so me and Kylie are shooting all of the stormtroopers, and we look back to the right, and my mom is the smallest stormtrooper that I mean, she. It, lo it just looked hilarious because she was trying to she was trying to figure out the puzzle while we were shooting the stormtroopers, just how small she was. We we we, we poked fun at her uh, at the end of it, but I mean, yeah, I remember that experience has uh, there's lava on the ground, and you right. they have and you can feel the heat on your on your on your body, oh. and. It, that really broke the fourth wall, you know, like it really yeah. was. Yeah. I think that was their first VR experience. Yeah. And then apparently, so they went, unfortunately, of course, they went out of business during the pandemic because no one wanted to put a diseased right. mask on their face. It's a public mask and go into the yep. yeah. And, but now it's been refinanced, um, I guess. And, and uh, a new uh, company is, is coming alive. In That's their good way. to hear. So That's good to yeah, hear. I don't yeah, know if it's he, the same owners, but. It's interesting that you bring up um, the pandemic there because at the Infinity Festival, this was the Infinity Festival this this past year was was the first time that they had opened it back up to the public, right? And so we had to make sure that we were, you know, disinfecting the headset every time someone's done. We clean it off, get it ready for the next person, and then and then get somebody back in. Uh, but we had to be really careful about that during the during the uh, festival. Yeah, I, I just went to, um, uh, you know, there's a Banksy exhibit, a vandal or artist uh, that's uh, touring through the world and it's in L.A. right now. They have a VR event, actually. You can you can travel through VR in, through Bristol, which is Banksy's hometown, and look at his graffiti on the walls. But they, they give you a thin um, fabric to put over the headset that it doesn't touch your face. You only your face only touches the fabric. Then it never touches uh -huh. the actual headset. It's like a it's like a face condom, right? Yeah, <laughs> smart <exactly>. move. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, we're we're actually trying we're we're talking with the UNHCR uh, about you know, teaming up with them to get this uh, to get mindful out there so that more people see it because um, we do feel like it's compulsory viewing. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a 
it's a powerful experience that that makes you want to take action, you know, and and get involved, you know. And there are ways of getting involved. And so if you want to, you know, if if you want to take action, if you want to just follow us, you can follow us on Instagram now uh, because we w- once we actually do have a home for it, um, people will have an opportunity to to witness it in person. And my and by the way, my Instagram is uh, at mindful underscore VR. So. Please go check we'll have it, it out. all in the show notes. Absolutely. Well, I do want to just chat a little bit about techniques because um, yeah. when we chat about VR experiences, you know, communicating um, space and information transitions is always a question a lot of people have. You know, how do you handle traditions? Because traditional filmic transitions from point to point to space and to another space, you know, we do standard cuts. But I, I enjoyed the fact that you did a teleportation system so you can you know teleport into different memories and you had kind of um transitions and triggers that would kind of push you forward into that you explain a little bit about that process um and any of the issues you might have faced when you were developing the transitions for this project man without isaku those transitions wouldn't have worked right like you have to have a, a good coder that can go in and program everything uh to a level that feels real Right. Um, and trust me, we, we had a couple times where uh, we we had different effects. They were, they, at one point, we were doing a boomerang effect so that when you touched the portal, you kind of got sucked back and then got slingshotted into the into the uh, wormhole. And that just didn't feel right. You know, um, those transitions were. W- without the transitions, the, the experience doesn't work. Right. Um, I'm not sure if I'm. Answer your question the right way. Can you can you phrase it again? Oh yeah, I think you kind of covered it. It was mostly the question of you know to keep the immersion because that's an issue when I see um, filmmakers and you know VR artists using traditional methods um, for you know just showing a change in time and space. I'm um, using traditional movie cuts, which can be very jarring. You know, it cuts you out. Yeah. You see black for a split second. You feel like you're disembodied. I just thoroughly enjoyed just how yours were designed with the mindful experience because it didn't like i was pulling out it just felt like i'm just connecting and moving deeper yeah instead of yeah, yeah. being pulled out each time yeah it was it, it worked out great i mean if, if we you know without those visual effects the the portal and the and the mirror and the and the wormholes um it just wouldn't have been the same um i think that the the trick that we used in the wormhole was at first we had you flying through you had a body when you're flying through the the wormhole that didn't that didn't feel right because at the end of the day you're really just sort of visiting uh the body you're you're kind of witnessing uh life through Anna's through her eyes but you're kind of just sort of an energy source to a certain degree right so when we did the transitions we got rid of the body in the wormhole so that you're just sort of an energy source but then but then the wormhole was boring it was like oh there was nothing happening through the the wormhole so that's when I came up with the idea of putting quotes in there that fly towards you. And those quotes end up giving you a little context uh, with regard to the, the memories that you're getting ready to witness. Each time you're in the wormhole, uh, a quote comes at you, a powerful quote, you know? Um, yeah, you, you do have some great quotes. Unfortunately, I have this butterfly picture. And I, and the quote is not able to be visible, um, but there's one other quote that you have here that's very also poignant which is um could a greater miracle take place for us to look through each other's eyes for an instant by henry david thoreau right um 
Right. And so, yeah, so it's such a, a great reminder and such a great way to immerse the audience in these sort of really pretty deep and timeless thoughts. Yeah, I hope more people can see it, honestly. I mean, the, the problem is, because like, we, we have considered putting it on the Oculus Store. Um, the problem with that is that it is a proof of concept and there's lots of holes in it, right? And if you put this on the Oculus Store, kids will destroy it, right? Like, they'll be like, mm -hmm. what the hell is this? And that's, we don't, that's, we don't want that kind of attention, right? Mm -hmm. So we're, we're now focused more on getting it as an installation at, you know, local museums and, and hopefully with the partnering with the UNHCR, it'll, it'll allow us to kind of take it worldwide at some point. Yeah, I, I have a um, an old friend, um, Malicha Shek, I think is how you say her name, but she, uh, oh, yeah, no, she, you know they, what I'm talking about. Did, Tree. Yep. I, tree. I, I love I love those guys. Um uh, Winslow Porter is also with them. Winslow uh, the third, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, Winslow and the they, third. So the so the experience that they did before Tree was actually about um Croatian Serbian refugees. Yeah. Uh, I, and I've so done it. Yeah. So uh, similarly, and they, they were able to tour it with the United Nations to a lot of uh, different places and show, I think, I think Boutros, Boutros Gali was trying their experience one time. So I think that there's definitely uh, an audience there for your experience. Yeah, we're, we're, we're actively trying to find that avenue, you know, uh, and but I'll tell you that that experience that they did tree is incredibly beautiful, isn't it? Mm hmm. I mean, they yeah. really did an amazing job with it. And I, I've seen some of the installations that they've done across the across the world. Um, and so, you know, Winslow's a good friend of mine. And so he, he's actually, he's, he's helped me a lot in terms of, you know, how do I get this thing off, off the ground, you know, um, which we can also talk about sort of the future, the future of Mindful and what we're doing with it now. Um, we're doing some exciting Absolutely. stuff, so. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's talk about the future. Uh, what's up? Uh, Please. <laughs> yeah. Where do you, where do you, I guess that usually we ask, you know, where do you see this going in terms of motion capture, virtual reality, and then where do you have planned next? Well, certainly the, the philanthropic side of it is exciting for us because we know that we, we've already accomplished something that we weren't sure if we could. And so we know that we can touch hearts and, and get people to want to take action. Um, but, the the route that we're the other route that we're taking is um, uh, curriculum based education, so helping students that don't necessarily learn all that well traditional um, education tools, getting them excited by allowing them to to witness life through the eyes of a historical figure. Uh, can spark their interest in learning about those people, right? And so that's kind of where we're headed initially. Uh, but we've also got an entertainment side of that that focuses on uh, music icons. Um, that is, that's the one that has got us the most excited because it really is fun. Um, so it, it's the same concept, but with with uh, I iconic figures, if you will. Mm -hmm. So essentially, you can kind of see, you know, the Beatles when they first visit America, like, like sure. kind of recreating experiences like that, um, classic music experiences. Yeah. Or, you know, hip hop figures as well. You know, like there's there's a lot that uh, you can uh, catch people's interest with on, on the music side of things. 
lot of, lot of amazing yeah. history in music. The history too, yeah. Like oh, you no, know, no. you can have like Abraham Lincoln giving his speech, or you could have someone signing the Declaration of Independence, or Boston Tea Party, or you know who knows what you could do. I mean, any number of things. The first time you know, the Wright brothers flew. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there, uh, there's already a group that did um, uh, Martin Luther King, uh, which was ultimately what I was originally pitching, and then they ended up doing it. <laughs> Uh, but that, that was a pretty powerful piece, which I, I believe they captured it at uh, the digital domain motion capture stage, which still exists. School is going to be way better than when we had it. What's that? Have you guys seen that experience, the uh, uh, the Martin Luther King one? Uh, I haven't tried it yet either. But no, I have not. I, I heard it's really powerful. Yeah, that, that, you know, we had, we, had, we had to look in books and use our imagination. Kids are going to be so spoiled in the next five to 10 years with these right? yeah. historical moments coming to life. And that's, that you would want to go to school. <laughs> like, I, I, you know. I, in my pitches, I always use the example of when I was in art school, I went to East Carolina University. And in my art class, there was an art history class. And in the art, we had probably 200 people in an auditorium. And on the stage was the teacher, and there was a uh, uh, screen that they would basically just project things, right? And so we were learning about things like uh, Antonio Gaudi and, uh, you, know, you know, Sagrada Familia mm-hmm. in Spain. In Spain. Mm-hmm. So when you see that on, just projected onto a screen, it's, you know, it is what it is. It's like, oh, look, a really beautiful cathedral. But then if you go there in, in – in real life, if you go to Barcelona and you see Sagrada Familia, you can't believe what you're seeing. It is so mind-blowingly beautiful that there's no way that you can ever forget it, right? But that's kind of what that's kind of what we're trying to do with with mindful is we're we're allowing you to see these things in real time, right? It's not just a thing that's projected onto a screen. You're actually witnessing it for yourself in VR, and I think that that helps helps people learn better than seeing something on the screen because I had I not gone to gone to Barcelona I would not have remembered uh Sagrada Familia from that class it's just impossible you know mm. you need it to be ingrained into your mind you know absolutely Cornelius agrees thank you Cornelius well, I just have one last thought about um the future because um you mentioned that you know you have a background on Unreal Engine and um, you mentioned for mindful VR, um, use some um, full body scans um, for the main character. Um, what are your thoughts on some of these new digital creations? Like I know um, they have the metahuman concept, um, these very photorealistic, um, fully built humans um, yeah. that could give really amazing performances. What are your thoughts on using um, like you know the current technology and what's coming ahead as far as getting you know very fascinating, real human like you know, communication it's- and interactions with these? It's just going to get better and better and better. I mean, Epic is, you know, like they, they're a huge company, right? But they've, they've invested in uh, really powerful technologies and companies that are, that are doing things sort of better than everyone else, right? Like they, they've, they bought uh, the facial company out of the UK. can't remember. That Pixel. Pixel scans or like the, you know, the, where they, you can build worlds and stuff like all these, all these things that they're adding to their arsenal are just the tools that they have within Unreal now. It's, it's mind blowing and it's just going to get better and better and better. And I'm sure the same 
goes for the other engines. You know, like they're they're being really smart about you know the the companies that they're bringing into the fold, if you will. Really smart That's company, Epic. Epic is a super smart company. Yeah. I'm impressed. Yeah. I'm impressed with the way they do things. Right. No, it's interesting. You have a you're sort of a bridge between the film world and the tech world. Um, yeah. Do you have any? Have you noticed a difference between the cultures there, or do you find that those two cultures are merging? Um, how do you find that? Well, I mean, I I worked for Epic uh, throughout 2019 for the in-camera visual effects demonstrations. So we were introducing Hollywood and and the VFX company, I mean, all the VFX companies brought them down to the stage at Lux Machina down in, uh, in downtown LA. And we were introducing them to the LED stages that were projecting real-time imagery through the engine, right? And what it does is it tricks the camera into believing that you're in a place that you're not, right? Have you, have you, like the Mandalorian is a perfect example mm -hmm. of this, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. This is now, because of the demonstrations that we gave, these stages are everywhere. I mean, they have popped up all over the world, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can, you can now shoot things in a stage that you would have had yeah. to take a live action crew. In desert, yeah. Yeah, so imagine, yeah. Going into, imagine going to the Redwood Forest, right? You have to take a, a camera crew that ultimately impacts the environment, right? Like... Mm -hmm. You're bringing in trucks and all kinds of people are stomping on the ground. You can now take that Redwood Forest into the stage and shoot it all on the stage. And I find that to be fascinating. It really is. If, you're, if you've never been on one of those sets before, uh, I suggest you try to. I mean, we, we can communicate. I mean, I, there's a couple people that I know that we can, if you're in L.A., I can bring you to those stages. Uh, but it's really oh, for sure. It's it's a fascinating thing to see live. It really is. Because sure. what you see, oh, with, I would love you, to love to go on yeah, that. What you see with your eyes, it's obvious. It's Neil's obvious. It's, too. Yeah, it's obvious. <laughs> that it's not. It's obvious that it's not real. But when you look through the monitor from the camera, it it tricks you. It, it's like, oh yeah, we're definitely there. It's wow, awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to take you guys there. Oh man! Let's oh, thank it. you so much. Avatar we'll be in touch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool. Well, uh, how can people get in touch with you um, in order to see Mindful VR or hire you to do some motion capture or whatever else you got uh, working on? Uh, you can go onto my website. Uh, it's just gameproductions.com, um, and I think there is a place there that you can reach out to me. Um, but also on Instagram and Facebook. Um, those are ways. Instagram is an easy way to get a hold of me, especially through Mindful, uh, Mindful underscore VR. Um, and we're going to be updating, you know, information that tells you where there's there's going to be um, uh, demonstrations here in Los Angeles over the next couple of months. We just don't know exactly when those are going to happen. Oh, I'm just so thankful you came today. I mean, you informed us of some really amazing projects and. I have some stuff to look up. I have some VR experiences I definitely need to try after you give us that info. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Scott. You know, I, I was really, I was really nervous about coming on because I've never done one of these before, and it was just a really easy conversation. That I, there was some fun, fun topics. You know, like I, I really enjoyed the conversation with you. 
Cool. Well, we're we're definitely happy to have you and and come back anytime. And hey, if we would if we could meet in the beat space world and go to like a virtual set in the in the beat space world, oh man, it's so man, in for I, it. <laughs> I would love to introduce you to the guys at Lux Machina, and there's certainly the possibility that you could you could do an interview with them as well. Uh, Phil oh, Phil Galler yeah. is the is the owner. Um, really amazing guy. And not to mention the people at uh, at Unreal or Epic. Absolutely. Yeah. Right, well, oh, thank will, you so much. We will be in touch and we will put all of your uh, contact information in the show notes and on the YouTube channel uh, at the Simulation Nation. So thank you and thank you everybody for teleporting into this worldcast of Simulation Thank you guys. Especially you, Cornelius. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> um, whether you are in virtual reality like Cornelius and Hero and Don and a bunch of other people listening to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or watching in glorious Technicolor on YouTube. And remember to subscribe to our Instagram at the Simulation Nation, um, Twitter at SimNationVR, and our Discord server. And join us next time uh, for our World Builders of Old Space 15 with Christy, who is a part of the Cause and Christy team. We're super excited. Until then, awesome. stay plugged. Hey, friends.